All right. Everybody happy? Amen. All right. Let's uh, pray together. Lord, we thank you for the word today. The entrance of your word gives light, gives understanding, and to the simple we receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save our soul, deliver, restore, heal our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions are changed by the engrafted Word of God. And we're not hearers only, we act on the Word of God. We act on the Word and there's blessing there. So we thank you for the Holy Spirit who's our helper and our teacher, the Spirit of Truth that leads us and guides us into all truth. We thank you for that today. That we are growing in faith. We ask you for fresh revelation, fresh application that we'll be able to carry the Word and distribute the Word freely around the world. And this generation in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 Uh, this is kind of our last morning, so I want you to turn to Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, and we're going to continue some on fighting the good fight of faith, continue some on your identification with Christ this morning. And tonight, well, we don't know what will happen. You just have to show up and find out. All right. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, and uh, classic scripture, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He said, for it is the power of God. It is the power of God unto salvation, deliverance, safety, healing, preservation, soundness. The gospel of Christ is the power of God and it will produce salvation. Well, who will it work for? He said, to everyone that believes. Got any believers in here? Amen. Well, once you get in that category of being a believer and you get God's definition of what it is to believe, he said, it's the power of God and salvation to everyone that believes. Jew first, also to the Gentile. For therein, therein or in the gospel is the righteousness of God revealed. For in the gospel, or the gospel is a revelation of the righteousness of God. You read other translations, it says the gospel of Christ is a revelation of how God makes men righteous. Amen. And to make it even, even more extreme, one translation says the gospel reveals God's way of making men as righteous as himself. <laughs> or the gospel reveals God's way of making us his very own righteousness. Right? So he says the gospel is a revelation of the righteousness of God. So that's a pretty fundamental part of, of the gospel is understanding righteousness, which is right standing with God, accepted by God, pleasing to God, approved of by God, living without a sense of sin or guilt or inferiority or shame or any sense of struggling to be accepted by God, that you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. He said the gospel is a revelation of that way that God makes men righteous. So he says, and it goes from faith to faith, faith to faith. One translation says that it begins with an elementary faith, then it goes to a more advanced faith. In other words, you go from faith to faith. How many glad you're not going from faith to doubt, right? No, you're going from faith to faith. Paul told the Thessalonians, your faith groweth exceedingly. So it is possible Going on to be strong in faith and to, your faith to grow exceedingly. And then he says, for it is written, the just shall live by what? Faith. faith. So the word faith is mentioned here four times, actually three times faith and the, the word believe once. Believe and faith. And so understanding the gospel of Christ, the signature of the gospel is literally the two words in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. In other words, Paul uses that terminology 130 times in his letters in Christ. That's the center and the signature of the gospel. Then Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he said, I preached unto you the gospel that Jesus died and he was buried on the third day he was raised from the dead. So that tells you the center of the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That's the center of the gospel. Matter of fact, we call a lot of songs gospel songs when really they would be more Christian songs or religious songs, but it cannot be a gospel song unless it contains the elements of what happened in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Amen. But it could be a Christian song. It could be a, you know, a nice song. But if it's a gospel song, it must contain what happened through the blood of Jesus, the death of Christ, the burial of Christ, the triumph of Christ, resurrection of Christ, that he's alive. So that would be in the center of the gospel is what happened in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So when Jesus was raised from the dead, he said, go into all the world and preach what? <laughs> That's pretty simple, isn't it? 
He said, go into all the world and preach what? Yeah, so you don't even really have to make up stuff, you know. He's already going to tell you what the gospel is. He said, just go preach the gospel. And I love what the apostle Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1. He said, we preach the gospel with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desired to look into. So the gospel itself is a supernatural message. And anytime anybody preaches the gospel, you never preach it alone. We preach the gospel with the Holy Spirit. And he said, and angels desire to look into these things. So it's a supernatural message that literally heaven is interested in. Amen. I said heaven is interested in. Angels are interested. Anybody that preaches the gospel of Christ, he'll attract angels. Praise the Lord. Amen. And uh, he said, we preach the gospel with the Holy Ghost. We can see that from uh, Acts chapter 10 where Peter preached the gospel there at Carnesia's house. And he said, while he spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell. All of, uh, of Carnesia's family was filled with the Holy Spirit. So then the preaching of the gospel, the center of the gospel is what happened when Jesus died, when he was buried, and when he was raised from the dead. That's the center of the gospel. So if Jesus said, go into all the world and preach what? Go preach the gospel. All the world, every language, every nation, go preach the gospel. Right? So, if he said to go preach the gospel, then in the book of Acts there are 10 sermons. Actually, there's 14 sermons, but there's 10 that's easily identified in the book of Acts. So, Jesus said go preach the gospel. So, there's 10 sermons in the book of Acts. Five by the apostle Peter and five by the apostle Paul. 10 sermons. No matter what was going on, people were getting healed, people lives were being changed, but there was 10 sermons in the book of Acts. In all 10 of those sermons, no matter what they talked about, they brought everything back to the one central theme that Jesus died. He was buried, and on the third day, he was raised from the dead, that he is alive, and he is the Lord, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. He has not diminished one bit. Amen. He has actually increased his dominion and authority through death. Praise the Lord. So, the center of the gospel is what happened in the death and resurrection of Christ. We know in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in the four Gospels, we love to read the four Gospels, amazing. But when you read the four Gospels, the four Gospels have a disproportionate amount of space given to the events that lead up to the cross, the death of Christ. In other words, it gets more in detail when it starts heading towards the cross. Because Jesus literally, his main purpose was he came to die. Amen. His disciples didn't understand all that. They're, they're connected to him being the Messiah. So they're having a hard time connecting to the necessity of the cross or the crucifixion. So his main purpose was to come to die. So when it comes time for the cross or the death of Christ or the resurrection of Christ, there's a disproportionate amount of space given to those events of what happened. Actually, if you go to Israel, if you, some of y'all probably been on the Israel tour, they actually call that the Via Dolorosa the Via Dolorosa, which is translated the way of suffering or the way of the cross. And they have certain stations of the cross that you will visit those stations of what happened there where Jesus suffered and where they sped upon him, where they cursed him and where he was beaten. And then you go to Calvary where he was crucified. And then you go where he was raised from the dead, the Via Dolorosa, uh, the way of the cross. So that means in the book of Acts, there's 10 sermons. And in every sermon, they center on what happened in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So in the four gospels, you see what man saw in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. But in the epistles or Paul's letters, you see what God saw. So now let's say it this way. The four gospels, you see what happened to Christ. But in the epistles, you see what happened in Christ. All right, we're going to try this side over here just a second. I said in the four gospels, you see what happened to Christ. But in Paul's letters, you see what? What happened in Christ. So, in Christ would be the number one terminology that the Apostle Paul uses because his revelation tells you more than just what happened to Christ. He tells you what happened in Christ. Y'all still in there? So, the four Gospels, I call the four Gospels a picture of our redemption of the death and resurrection of Christ. A picture, but I call it a photograph of redemption. A photograph. And I like to say it this way, that the gospel literally is a group picture, a group picture. First thing you look for in a group picture is yourself. 
So you've got to find yourself in the group picture of what happened in the death and resurrection of Christ because every man was included there. Amen. So what happened uh, in the four gospels is you see what man saw, you see a photograph of redemption. But in Paul's letters, you really see the same picture, but you see an x-ray of what happened in the death and resurrection of Christ. Now, what's the difference between a photograph and an x-ray? Well, there's quite a lot of difference. Amen. Matter of fact, you look so different in the x-ray, people probably wouldn't even recognize you. So, very few people send out an x-ray of their family for Christmas photograph because it's just so hard to recognize everybody. So, uh, you're like, now, is that you? So, because an x-ray, that, that is not any less you. It is just as much you, but it's literally seeing inside of you. So, in Paul's letters, he sees what happened in Christ or what happened in the spirit or he tells you what God saw or what angels saw or what the devil himself saw. Because something happened in the death and resurrection of Christ is so phenomenal that story will go on throughout eternity concerning the blood, the blood of Jesus, concerning the cross and the death of Christ, that Jesus literally entered death as a man to destroy him that had the power of death and deliver them who all their lifetime were subject to bondage. In other words, he said, I am he that liveth and I was dead and I'm alive forevermore and I have the keys. In other words, he got the keys through death. Amen. So to emphasize the resurrection of Christ, to emphasize that Jesus is alive. And that's really the most important point of our redemption is that Jesus was raised from the dead. But the resurrection means it is a resurrection from death. So the significance of the resurrection is determined by what happened in his death. All right, we're going to try this out again. Because I don't want to get too far ahead, everybody here. I lost a couple of you. I don't know if you went to the beach or something. But listen, so... So we talk about Jesus raised from the dead and he's alive and he is Lord. In other words, that's the confession of the Christian. In other words, Christianity is called what? The great confession. What is that great confession of every Christian? It is that you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. All right, let's try that one more time. I said, you confess with your mouth, what? Jesus is Lord. What does that mean? He is Lord. Well, that means he's master, the supreme authority, but it also means he is God himself. But it also means the overriding emphasis, he is victor. As victor simply means that he entered death on a conquest to destroy and defeat him that had the power of death. So Jesus as Lord simply means he is the undisputed heavyweight champion of the universe and he is recognized as the champion everywhere. He has never been whipped. Come on. It looked like he was down for the count, but three days he was raised from the dead. So what happened in the resurrection of Christ is that Jesus established his lordship. Here's what the apostle Paul says. He said literally that Jesus descended to the lowest place. And he ascended to the highest place that he might fill everything everywhere with himself. All right, let's try that one more time. Jesus descended to the lowest place. And he ascended to the highest place. Come on. Why? That he might establish his lordship everywhere. There is literally no place he is not lord. All it takes to access that lordship is for somebody to declare it. <laughs> I'm any country, any nation, anywhere you go, the moment you declare Jesus is the Lord. In other words, you have just accessed your salvation through the declaration that Jesus is Lord. So what happened when he was raised from the dead? What happened? What happened? I always said the first night is that Hillary Clinton had a book out called What Happened? Yeah, well, well, she, you know, she's trying to figure out what happened, how she lost the election. But I always I said that the devil has a book called What Happened. 
Come on. In other words, it looked like he had everything wrapped up, but God was manifest in the flesh. Come on. Jesus got in a body. Come on. Walked and lived like a man. He went to the cross and there, if Satan, come on, had known, if he would have known the plan, he would have never had him crucified. But through that cross and through that death, he entered into the dominion of death because in his earth ministry, I said, in his earth ministry, he's healing the sick, casting out devils and blessing people and raising the dead. In other words, that's in his earth ministry. But in his death, he's going to headquarters home office to destroy him that had the power of death. In other words, Jesus literally stripped Satan, dethroned him, spoiled him and exposed him, shattered, empty and defeated and drug him through downtown eternity. Come on and exposed him and shattered him, disarmed him and defeated him. Come on up. So when you say Jesus is Lord, let's try that. Everybody say Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. In other words, the significance of that confession is a lot more than you and I can comprehend. But whatever that is included in that, it literally enables you to access salvation and eternal life and the blessing of the Lord in your life. In other words, that's the center of the gospel is what happened when Jesus was raised from the dead. So Paul said, he said in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, if I don't have time to teach you everything, first and foremost, I want to make sure you understand what happened when Jesus died and when he was raised from the dead because that's the center of the gospel. So if you don't know everything you need to know about everything, you better know this really good. What happened in the death and resurrection of Christ. So you have the photograph and then you have the x-ray and it shows you what happened in the unseen or in the spirit. So what happened in the death and resurrection of Christ, that's the center of the gospel. And so 10 sermons, Five by Peter, five by the Apostle Paul. No matter what they preached on, they brought every issue back to Jesus died, he was buried, and he was raised from the dead, and he is Lord and Christ. Jesus is Lord. He is Lord. He is always Lord. He is still Lord. Amen. And let's say it this way. The devil is just as afraid of your confession of it as he is of what happened when Jesus was raised from the dead. All right, let's try that. I said, say, your confession that Jesus is Lord. Let's try that one more time. I said, your confession that Jesus is Lord. I said, your confession, come on, that Jesus is Lord. Come on, activates just as much power as what happened when God raised Christ from the dead. Amen. So he says that's the initial confession of every believer is that Jesus is Lord. But it's not just the initial confession. It literally is the continual lifetime confession of every believer. Jesus is Lord. Go ahead and praise the Lord for a minute. Praise the Lord a minute. Come on, give, you, give yourself a praise break because I want you to... Praise the Lord. Come on, we want to make sure we don't just get a bunch of information. We want some revelation. Amen. We want to get out of just head knowledge and get into the heart knowledge. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Jesus is Lord. Amen. And so the gospel is a revelation of what happened on the cross, included in the blood covenant, what happened when his blood was shed. And the blood of Jesus literally carries the antibodies to all of human condition. Everything Jesus overcame, his blood today, through faith in his blood, carries the antibodies. Listen now, antibody, I explained the other day, is a memory cell that is in your blood that has already whipped a certain disease. So your body will carry that antibody for the rest of your life because that antibody remembers how it whipped that disease. And if that disease shows up again, those memory cells go, we whooped you last time and we'll whoop you again. So here's what I want you to see. The blood of Jesus carries the antibody. 
for everything Jesus conquered in our behalf, every temptation, every struggle, even his own consecration in the Garden of Gethsemane when he said, not my will, but your will be done, and blood was shed there. His blood carries the victory so that you don't have to be controlled by what you want to do the rest of your life. You can say, by the blood of Jesus, I surrender to the will of God. Y'all still with me here? So the blood carries the power <laughs> of all that Jesus conquered in our behalf. Thank God for the blood. Now, my mama would sling blood everywhere. I say that she's slinging blood simply meaning that she's pleading the blood or having faith in the blood. And I literally did not know what she was doing. <laughs> but she kept me alive until I figured it out. So, <laughs> so because you're still dealing with a real devil that has real strategies and you better know the truth and know who you are in Christ and learn how to fight this good fight of faith that Jesus is Lord. That's the initial confession, but it also is the continual confession of every believer. Hold fast, don't turn loose of it. Come on, be conscious of the importance of it. Don't be quiet about it. Lift your voice and say, Jesus is Lord. Even if you don't feel like it, come on, even if it don't look like it. Let's try that again. I said, even if you don't feel like it, I said, even if you don't feel like it, even if it don't look like it, I said, even if you don't feel like it, even if it don't look like it, even if it looks like you may have failed and you may have made a mistake and you may have been, you say, yeah, but Jesus is Lord. His blood carries redeeming power and cleansing power and healing power. Jesus is Lord. Come on in my family. Come on in my life. Jesus is Lord. That means Satan has no dominion over you. Satan has no dominion. His power is broken. Go ahead and laugh just for a minute and say, ha, ah. Hallelujah. In other words, once you understand that, the gospel literally is a message that makes you glad. That means I can preach in Vietnam. We're preaching in Vietnam. And uh, boy, the people, about 500 pastors came in from all around. And they got to shouting so loud that the uh, Hindus and the Buddhists <laughs> came to the building where we were and called the authorities to shut us down. Well, I was there illegally. In other words, I didn't have a, a, a visa to preach the gospel because we didn't want any, uh, inter, in, uh, anybody to interfere. So we kind of go in, you know, and then we go to the church and do the meetings and we don't nobody mess with us. But we carry lots of cash. I got money. Come on, my father is rich in houses and lands. He holds all the wealth of this world in his hands of rubies and diamonds, silver and gold. I'm an heir to his wealth. I have riches untold. That means I got enough money to preach the gospel. So when the authorities came, they told us, you know, you're going to have to be quiet. Well, we just give them a few hundred dollar bills and say, disappear for a few days and I'll be out of here. So, uh, <laughs> So they said, well, y'all need to hold it down. So I went back in and I talked to the, to the guys. I said, listen, there's 500 of y'all here and I'm preaching the gospel, but I need you to be quiet. When it comes time to shout and you go, hallelujah. When it comes to praise the Lord, you go, praise the Lord. I said, if you want to shout, then do it quiet, right? And then, so I went back to preaching the gospel and then they got, they started going hallelujah and they got loud again. They started shouting. I'm like, hey. Come on, they said they would put us in jail. Come on, this is the authorities here. They said, we don't care if we go to jail. I said, well, I do, be quiet. But they could not be quiet. Come on, the gospel is a message that no government can stop. No man can stop. Come on, hell cannot stop. Come on, adversity cannot stop. You cannot be quiet when you understand the gospel. They said, well, I don't care if they throw us in jail. I said, <laughs> Let me escape, would you? So, in other words, the gospel is such a message of triumph in the face of human tragedy. The gospel of Christ. It is the power of God. All right, let's try that one more time. I said the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
The gospel of Christ. It is what? My whole family was changed when the gospel of Christ came into the Hankins family and it came first to my dad's dad, my grandpa. When my grandfather got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and called to preach, it literally changed our whole family from generation to generation to generation. The gospel of Christ is so powerful. Once it gets into a family, that family will never be the same. It will change the children. It will change the grandchildren. Glory to God. Amen. It is the power of God. I said it's the power of God. In other words, it's a supernatural message. Now, here's the way the Lord said it to me. Because in the resurrection of Christ, uh, God released exceeding great, unlimited, immeasurable power. Ephesians chapter 1, Paul must have seen what happened in the resurrection of Christ. He must have seen that. Because he said, when God raised Christ from the dead, exceeding. Boy, he can't even use enough adjectives to describe it. If you look at different translations, which we've got in some of our scripture study guides and in one of some of our books, exceeding, great, unlimited, immeasurable, explosive, dynamic power that raised Christ from the dead. Now, why did God use such tremendous power to raise Christ from the dead? Huh? The greatest display of power in the history of the world is the resurrection of Christ. Enough power. To demolish strongholds of the enemy. Yeah, that's it. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> I, I saw, uh, you know, because we preach in Las Vegas with Pastor David Sharon all the time. And so he's a good friend of ours. And so Pastor David, you know, the, in Las Vegas, they're known for, for years for the gambling, the big hotels, fancy hotels. But if a hotel's been sitting there for 20, 30, 40 years, they'll just literally just demolish it. In the old days, you used to take a wrecking ball and hit that thing for, you know, weeks and months to tear it down. But now they have learned how to strategically place explosives in that building so that people will actually film it and watch it on TV. And in like in just, come on, it took them years to build that thing. And in, come on, in 10 seconds time, and that whole building just collapses. The power that raised Christ from the dead. The gospel of Christ, things that have been built in your family, things that have been built in nations, things that have been there and they look permanent for years. One, come on, one, come on, one explosion of the gospel and it'll totally demolish things that the enemy has tried to build and construct and there'll be no evidence that thing was ever there. It'll just disappear, come down like that. Thank God for the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God. Now, here's the way the Lord said it to me. He said, the same power that's in the events is in the message. All right, let's try that one more time. (laughs) The same power that's in the events is in the message. That means (laughs) that the devil is just as afraid of the message as he is of the event. So when you're carrying the message, (laughs) the apostle Paul said, because of the message, because of the gospel, he said, messengers of Satan have sent to try to stop and hinder me because of this message. Imagine one man, the apostle Paul, with the gospel of Christ and writing half the New Testament, writing his letters and going on three missionary journeys so that even in his second missionary journey, when he literally crossed the Aegean Sea and went over to modern day Europe, it totally changed all of history. One man on a boat carrying the gospel. Come on, your church, your community, your city where you are right now needs someone just like you to preach the gospel. 
Come on, I said, this nation, your church, your city, this generation needs someone just like you that has a clear understanding of what the gospel is. So while people are arguing about other stuff, you say, I don't want to talk about that. Did you know Jesus died and he was buried and on the third day he was raised from the dead? Did you know his blood cleanses from all sin? Did you know his blood makes you righteous and sets you free from all those things messing with your head? Did you know the power of the gospel of Christ? Praise the Lord. Go ahead and laugh for a minute. In other words, the gospel (laughs) brings a celebration of the triumph of Christ when you understand what happened. Because if you don't know what happened, you're like, well, that's interesting. But if you know what happened, you're like, whoa. Or you could say it this way. If you don't know what happened on the cross, then the resurrection of Christ is simply his triumph. Or you understand what I mean by that? If you don't know what happened on the cross, then you'd say Jesus was raised from the dead and he triumphed and go, Jesus, go. Look at him go. Isn't Jesus something? Yeah, he is something. But if you know what happened on the cross, everything Jesus did, he did it for you and set to the credit of your account just like you did it. So Paul says, let me tell you what happened. When God raised Christ from the dead, he made us alive together with him and raised us up together with him and seated us together with him in heavenly place. Let's try that again. Come on. Otherwise, you'll just go to Easter service like everybody else. Say, he's alive. He's alive. I'm glad he's alive. But I'm having trouble with my bills right now. But listen, but if you know, if you know, come on, that he took you to the cross with him. He took your old man, your old humanity, your old condition. He redeemed you from the curse of the law. He took your death and your poverty and your sickness. Come on, everything that Satan would try to use to control you. Jesus took you to the cross with him and you died there with him. But when he was made alive, you were made alive with him. You were raised up with him. You are seated together with him in heaven. Boy, somebody ought to shout about that. I'm telling you. Come on, you were made alive. Amen. This is the revelation, what you call Paul's revelation, where you see what happened in Christ. Hmm. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Go ahead and laugh. I'll give you a break, a laughing break right now. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. So your confession, holding fast to that confession, simply means to say the same thing or to agree with, even in the face of your own struggle and the face of your own failure, if you can dare to declare Jesus is Lord. His blood has redeeming power and redeems my life from destruction. In other words, this is such an important part of your faith that you cannot separate confession from faith, which means if you're silent, you will lose by default. Hmm. I said, if you're silent, if you just go, God has chosen this means, your confession, that literally precedes and produces the reality of salvation. Amen. Amen. Your confession of faith. Now, I wrote this down several years ago, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it to you real quickly here because we're, this is the great confession that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is my Lord. Come on, Jesus is my Lord. He is victor. He is champion. He has conquered death and hell and the grave. He has conquered from the lowest place to the highest place. Jesus is Lord. So here's the great confession. Are you ready? When Jesus was raised from the dead, he stepped from the tomb as absolute master of death in all of its phases. 
hell and all of its hosts, Satan and all of his works, of sin and all of its consequences. He, Jesus, was the first of a redeemed, restored, victorious humanity that would follow. He is the firstborn from the dead. He is the first man to enter the death experience and master it. Jesus is Lord. Now, here's what you see when it comes to confession, because we love Hebrews chapter, you know, the scriptures on confession, Hebrews 3, 1, uh, Hebrews 4, 14, 10, 23, 13, 15, 1 Timothy 6, 12, all the scriptures on confession. We love all those scriptures. But did you know Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1, where it says that Jesus is the apostle and high priest of our confession? He's the apostle and high priest of our what? confession. So we get so locked into him being the apostle and high priest of our confession, we forget the rest of the verse. The rest of the verse, it said, consider him. Consider him. The word consider him means literally to study him. So your confession is going to come out of this consideration. Consider him, study him. It literally would be like you're looking to him or meditating on him. Finding out the wonders of his identity, his person, and what he has done, and you study him. Or you're locked into him. You're looking to him. You consider him. I remember Dad Hagen telling the story years ago because you're understanding how faith works. And sometimes you're in a fight of faith and challenges and things may not be working the way you think they ought to work. And so in the middle of that, Dad Hagen said he had some pain in his body and, and he was going, um, <clears throat> Lord, I mean... I'm saying the things you told me to say, and, and uh, you know, I'm praising things. He said, but I still got this pain. It's pretty serious here. And so the Lord gave him that scripture in Romans chapter 4, where it says that Abraham considered not his own body. <laughs> he said, now, Lord, that's pretty hard to do when your body's screaming at you. He considered not his own body. Now, in, in uh, Bible college, we studied this, and you study different translations, and literally most translations will say he considered not, but others say that the actual Greek word means he considered his own body. But the most accurate translation says Abraham, after he considered his own body, then he considered it not. Uh-huh. So here's what he did. That doesn't mean that you don't know there is a problem. But rather than keeping the study, in other words, people have Googled their disease. All right, well, I want to get into that. Come on. <laughs> or studied their problem. Boy, they become an expert on their problem, right? Well, I'm not telling you not to do that. I'm just saying after you have studied your problem, now consider it not. So he said, well, Lord, what am I supposed to do if I consider it not? He said, consider him. In other words, instead of just trying not to consider this, then turn your meditation and your attention to Jesus and study him. Then your confession will come out of that consideration. Praise the Lord. In other words, you're not just making some confession your confession is combined with a consideration of who Jesus is and what he has done for you. Praise the Lord. All right. Think about this. The Apostle Paul, even though he never knew Christ after the flesh, like we would call the 12 disciples. Even though he never knew Christ after the flesh, he was not at a disadvantage in knowing Christ. All right, let's try this out over here. Because most people say, I wish I could have been with the Lord, walked along the sands of Galilee, 
stayed in the boat while Peter was walking on the water. I wish I could have been with the Lord while they were passing out the fish sandwiches. I wish I could have been there and heard the Lord. Well, now that would all been nice, you know, but uh, <laughs> the Apostle Paul was the one chosen to write what happened on the cross. Or you could say it this way, Paul's letters contain the thoughts that Jesus carried away from this world unuttered. In other words, things that Jesus could not tell his 12 disciples, God chose a man who never knew him after the flesh. Think about that. That at the same time Jesus was in Nazareth. And John the Baptist was out in the wilderness. The apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus, the same time these three kids were playing in the streets and in the field. Imagine the plan of God that he had three of the greatest characters in all of history Born at the same time. Come on, John, who's going to declare and prepare the way for Jesus. Jesus, the greatest of all mankind. And the Apostle Paul, the greatest de declarer and proclaimer of who Christ is. And those three kids. Imagine if you would have had them in children's church. Come on, I submit to you that you have been born for such a time as this. You have come for this hour and for this time. And the devil do everything he can to stop you and shut your mouth. But when you get loaded up with the gospel, you better get ready. Your best years are ahead of you. Come on, your greatest anointings are ahead of you. God will use you to change nations through your prayer, through your praise. Come on, through your preaching. God is using you to change a whole nation. Come on now, the whole world. This generation. Once you understand the gospel, <laughs> praise the Lord, that Jesus is Lord, the center of the gospel, understanding the gospel, declaring the gospel. Now, you know, I don't go to movies very much. I don't have no time. I'm in church all the time. Uh, but I went to a movie, uh, what, was 20 years ago maybe, Saving Private Ryan. Right? Because if I go to a movie, I like one where there's some shooting and stuff. <laughs> we don't want like this lifestyle movie. I want like some action, you know, like shooting. Somebody shoot somebody. I'm sorry, I'm from Texas, so. <laughs> so I like to watch cowboy shows or something like that, you know. So I went to see Private Ryan because I love war shows, you know. Well, I was sitting in the theater watching this Saving Private Ryan during World War II, and you see the great struggle against uh, the, uh, Nazi Germany, against Hitler, and you see all the allied troops, including Australia and America all fighting together to stop that or all of us would be speaking German. Wiener schnitzel, I mean, that's what you would be eating this afternoon if somebody hadn't stopped Hitler. So it's important to understand the cost of freedom that we enjoy, that you enjoy. The people that never got to live to see 30 years old because they gave their life on the beaches so you and I could enjoy the freedom we have today. It's important to understand that. Some of America's multi-million dollar athletes should have to go serve in the military before they decide to protest. Thank you for your enthusiasm. So, I'm sitting there watching this, and so there's this uh, fight going on. American soldiers are 
outnumbered. Here comes the Nazi troops, you know, with the tanks and more soldiers. This guy's trying to hold one particular intersection. He's up in a building with a machine gun, and he's shooting all he can just to hold them off so the other troops can regather. And, and so he's got one guy up there with him, and he's up there in that upper window, and he's like, bah, 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 man, them people are shooting at him. And he shot until his ammunition started to go out. So he's down to just a few bullets left. Man, he told his assistant there, he said, you've got to run and get me some more ammunition. So that guy ran, come on, to get the ammunition, and he's got it over wrapped around him, these machine gun bullets. And so when he came back to the guy who's in the up, up, upper room up there holding off the enemy, when he's on his way back there, on the way back, then the Nazis had came so far and, and made such progress that now they were real close to where his friend was. So he was, had the ammunition, but he had to cross a street where there was a lot of shooting going on. And so when it came time to cross the street, tanks coming and people shooting, he hid in a doorway with that ammunition. And rather than cross the street, he froze in fear. And while he's in the doorway, his friend up there had run out of bullets. And his friend now, Nazi soldier, came up hand-to-hand combat and killed his friend. Well, while that was happening, I saw this other guy with all these bullets in the street, in the doorway. I was like, you stinking coward. I hate a coward. You are a stinking coward. I almost wanted to stand up. I almost lost the consciousness that I was in a movie. I'm like, you stinking coward. Somebody ought to kill you right now. I hate a coward. Boy, I was just so angry because his friend's dying, and he's got all these bullets, and he won't cross the street because he's afraid self-preservation. So I was so angry, and the Lord said, that's you right there. I said, you talking to me? That ain't me. I ain't hiding no door. I'd rather be dead than to be a coward. The Lord said, that's you? You know what he said to me? He said, I've given you word, the gospel, and revelation, and you have refused to cross the street to carry it where people need it because you're afraid of how much it'll cost you. I went, oh, Lord, that's, that's a low blow. That's a low blow. Lord, you can't hit me like that, Lord. I mean, Lord. And then the Lord said, and I told you to start writing some books so people could get it in other languages and other nations on redemption and who they are in Christ. And you haven't written those books. You are the coward. I said, I'll tell you what you call me a coward. I'm, I'm sitting in a movie. I'm just mad sitting in the movie. I'm like, a stinking coward. We ought to shoot him. And the Lord said, you got the ammunition, and you won't cross the street. And people are dying because you won't cross the street. What you got to love about the Apostle Paul is God entrusted him with a gospel message revelation. And Paul said, I will cross the street at all costs. At all costs. I don't care what it costs me. I will carry that ammunition to someone in another country. Come on, in my city, in my community, to all ages. It's my job now. The apostle Paul had such a consciousness that he said, I am a debtor to all men. In other words, Jesus died for every man, and I am a debtor to every man. And I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. In other words, you ain't never going to get out of debt. I don't care whose plan you're following. So I'm going to tell you how to get out of debt. I'm going to tell you how to get out of debt. I'll give you four steps, how to get out of debt, how to get out of debt. And then you just sit on the back porch and get you some barbecue chicken and just eat your barbecue. 
Listen, you big slob. People are dying all over the world that need the gospel, and all you're thinking about is so you can just get out of debt. Let me tell you something. You ain't never going to get out of debt. You have, a, you have a debt so big, you'll be paying on it till you die. You say, what is that debt? My debt is to preach the gospel in every nation, every language. Come on, that I can get it in. Come on and get the books out and preach the gospel. Get it on television. Get it on the radio. Come on, do, come on, anything you can do to preach the gospel, you're carrying the ammunition. So we got any cowards in here? me to, to do the will of God. Well, let me tell you this. It's going to cost you a lot more not to do it. Because doing the will of God really pays. Because the moment you set out to do it, you access the riches of his glory. And you get into partnership with Jesus. Woo! man, when you get into partnership with Jesus, preaching the gospel, come on now, serving in your place, actually being a support so the gospel can be preached to children and teenagers and adults. You say, it's my job to cross the street and to pass out the ammunition. Boy, there's some powerful bullets, man. I said, we got some powerful bullets because there's different size bullets for different size critters. Come on, you might have a little bullet like that if you're going to go shoot a squirrel. But if you're going to go grizzly bear hunting, you don't have a bullet about like that. Did you know God's got some bullets Woo. that you can carry and preach in the gospel, that Jesus is Lord, that this message, this message of the gospel must be preached in all the world on every available means. Hmm. You say, what's it going to cost me? I'm not sure, but I will be crossing the street. <laughs> Somebody may say, well, we heard you got shot, but I did cross the street. <laughs> Amen. In other words, the gospel of Christ, it is the power of God. Hallelujah. And God's given us his Holy Spirit. He's given us this revelation that you and I can carry this gospel. Amen. When we get up in the morning, we'll say, Lord, by your spirit, you anoint me and empower me to carry the gospel in my generation. Mm. Praise the Lord. Even if I'm the doorkeeper. Amen. Even if I'm the one giving the money. You know, money can be a great weapon. Amen. I said, if I'm the one giving the money, I said, go ahead and print up those books. And we'll send them over there. They said, well, it's going to cost you $50,000. I said, I don't care what it costs. I'm just telling you, we're going to have to do it. You want to know what happened? Woo! I got in partnership with Jesus. And I found out we do not lack. Come on, this kingdom does not lack. I said, this kingdom does not lack. The moment you start taking steps to preach the gospel, it is the power of God. Hallelujah that Jesus is Lord, and you and I carry that lordship. How many believe the Lord can deliver you from every kind of fear? Come on, every fear, every timidity, everything that would hold you back. Come on, and you say, boy, I'm telling you, the next 12 months, we are going to make some progress in the preaching of the gospel in different nations and neighborhoods around here in different languages. We're going to preach the gospel of Christ that Jesus is Lord. Amen. Go ahead and laugh for me and say, ha, ha, ha. Come on, everybody say, I'm crossing the street. I don't know what you're doing, but I'm crossing the street. Now, you can do what you want to. I'm crossing the street. Hallelujah. I'm going to carry the gospel. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Did you learn anything today? I said, Jesus is Lord. Stand up on your feet. Praise the Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Come on, you are carrying. You've been entrusted. I said, you've been entrusted 
Paul said, I've been entrusted with mysteries and this message, God has entrusted me to carry it and to preach it and to teach it. Whoo, come on, after, after three or four shipwrecks, you think Paul would go, I think I've had about enough of this. <laughs> but he just kept on carrying the gospel. I'm sure glad he did. I said, I'm sure glad he did. I'm sure glad I can read Romans and Corinthians and Galatians and Ephesians and Colossians. When you see who Jesus is, your confession, amen? amen. Hold fast to that confession and you win, amen? amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise amen. amen. We have a sense of triumph that Jesus is Lord, amen? Go ahead and lift your voice. Let's thank the Lord. Lord, we thank you for the precious blood. Free from fear. Come on, I'm free from fear. Come on, there's a new boldness. I said there's a new boldness. There's a new confidence. There's a new anointing that is coming to you for such a time as this, for you to finish your course and run your race and finish it with joy, hallelujah, for the preaching of the gospel of Christ right here in Australia and all over the world in every nation, every language, every age group to preach the gospel of Christ, that Jesus is law. Jesus is law. Jesus is law. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come on, lift your voice and thank him. Thank you, Lord, that sin shall not have dominion. Satan cannot have dominion over you. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is master. Jesus is my Lord. Come on, say, Jesus is my Lord. He set me free. I am free. Christ has redeemed me. Jesus is Lord. Ha ha, go ahead and laugh a few minutes. Come on, concerning the land and the building and the money. Come on, the money will come. The land will come. The buildings will come. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Ha, 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 ha. Woo, we're preaching the gospel of Christ. Oh, it is the power of God. It is the power of God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Go ahead and laugh a few minutes. Say, ha, ha. Amen. Come on, I'm carrying. You know, that's what I say, I'm carrying. Everybody say, I'm carrying. I don't know what that means here, but in, in Texas, that means I got a gun. That means I'm carrying. So if anybody says, how you doing? They say, uh, I'm carrying. Because you know, it can be a little wild in Texas. In different places, people start shooting. But if you got one guy carrying, <laughs> the whole thing changes if somebody's carrying. Everybody say, I'm carrying. I'm carrying. I got the gospel. Hallelujah. I'm carrying. I'm carrying. That means the devil ain't going to do anything he wants to do as long as I show up because I'm carrying. I said the devil ain't going to do anything he wants to do in your nation, in your city, because you're carrying. You say, I'm carrying. I'm carrying here. I've got it. I got the name. I got the blood. I got the word. Jesus is Lord. I think you need to laugh a few more minutes. Because the devil is in some serious trouble. I said, the devil's in some serious trouble right now. I said, the devil's in some serious trouble. Ha ha. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. The measure of a man is not his education. Come on, it's not your wallet. Come on, it's not how big your muscles are. The measure of a man or the measure of a woman is how they behave under adversity. That will determine how you behave in the time of adversity because your cause is greater than your comfort and your purpose is greater than your pleasure. So the measure of your life will be measured by the measure of revelation knowledge that you carry. And the measure of any period of time, any period of time 
In other words, days, weeks, months, years are not measured equally. That period of time is measured by the impact that time had upon your soul. I said that time is measured. In other words, what's happening in your life right now, this period of time can have a greater impact than years just because of the power of the gospel of Christ, the revelation of the gospel. One flash of revelation can propel you, change your whole life. Ha, ha, ha. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I had a good time. I had a good time. Jesus is Lord. Feed your faith. Thank God for Rama, Dad Hagen, the word of faith, who you are in Christ. Praise the Lord. Ha, ha, ha. There's a fire that's burning in your heart. Don't let the devil tell you that it is insignificant. You are significant. What you're carrying is significant. You can even imagine the people holding the rope for the Apostle Paul when he's let down outside the city. They're trying to kill him, and there's some guys holding the rope while he was in a basket. They, he was a basket case. So Paul's in that basket. And it said there were some men holding the rope, letting him down, and he escaped. I can imagine those men thinking, Lord, I wish you would use me somehow significantly in my life. And they did not know they were holding the rope for half the New Testament. So don't let the devil tell you when you're holding the rope that you ain't doing nothing significant. You say, oh, yes, I am. Amen. The full, the full reality of what you're doing in your place, it may take eternity to tell. You're in your place with a sense of purpose. Amen. A sense of cause, carrying the gospel. Let's pray together. Father God, I pray for special anointing of the Holy Spirit for full revelation, fresh revelation, that we'll live in the light of the gospel of Christ. What Jesus has done for us, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his triumph, Jesus is Lord, and his precious blood, his blood. I plead that blood, I apply that blood, Every person here today, the blood of Jesus. There's cleansing power, redeeming power in that blood. Let this time of our life be so significant that it will influence the rest of our lives. We'll carry the gospel of Christ. That we'll live in closest fellowship with the Lord Jesus. Partnership with Jesus. Partnership with the body of Christ who will carry the gospel. We shake off the dust of the past. We apply the blood of Jesus. We never look back. We're not going back so we don't look back. We're pressing, going forward. We have a spirit of faith. We believe and we speak. Ha, ha, ha. We laugh at impossibilities. Hmm. Our greatest blessings have not even happened yet. Greatest miracles have not happened yet. We press. Ha ha. Thank you, Lord. Greater things that are just ahead. The glory of God. The blessing of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Our eyes, the eyes of our heart to be flooded with light. The eyes of our heart. We'll see. We'll see. We'll know. We'll live in the revelation, the consciousness that Jesus is alive. He is Lord. Jesus is Lord. 
Jesus, he's Lord, and he's coming back. <laughs> we want to stand before you, Lord, one day, and you'll say, well done, a good and faithful servant. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Now, just let the anointing, the fire of the Holy Ghost, that the word of the Lord will be so strong in you, the teaching, the preaching, the ministry of the word, It'll be so strong in you, the days and the months that are ahead, so strong. Thank you, Jesus. Such a sense of purpose that we will not be distracted. We'll follow Jesus. We'll obey the Lord. No matter what it costs us, <laughs> we'll pray, we'll give, we'll serve. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now go ahead and laugh at the devil. He's a liar. Ha, 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 ha. I said, he's a liar. Come on, everything he told you, you could not afford. You say, yeah, but the Lord, my Lord, he is my shepherd and I shall not want. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, ha, ha. Come on, I can afford to obey God. I can afford to serve the Lord. Ha, ha, ha. Hallelujah. Everything he said that you don't have, yeah, you do have. You have been called and anointed. Carry the gospel to serve that Jesus is Lord. So everybody say, I hold fast to my confession of faith. Without wavering, Jesus is my Lord. And I am redeemed and Satan cannot dominate me. And old habits cannot dominate me. Bad habits cannot dominate me. Sickness cannot dominate me. Poverty cannot dominate me. Jesus is my Lord and victory is mine. Every day and every place. Ha, ha, ha. Well, give the Lord a shout. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.